Hey, y'all. Pretend we're football for the next hour. I'm your host, Will Bazer, and I'm joined alongside by Johnny Brashear and Timothy Preston, as always. Guys, listen to the Hornscast channel. It's the Hornscast channel on any podcasting platform out there. The one you're listening to right now. Bijan's favorite podcasting channel. It's, it is. He, it, uh, he said it on no, a video. No, he actually said um, the Horns Chat is his favorite. Oh, all right. Uh, first, and then well, he said the Hornscast. We we should we should be on that then. I don't know what Hornscast yeah. is. This is terrible. Who was the one who loved eight? Then um. Oh yeah, that, that was overshown? that was definitely overshown. Yeah, it was Leon O'Neill and, and Demarvian Overshown fighting over whether the Aggies or the Longhorns on that podcast are the best. So that was fun. That's what the good use of the NIL has given us. And you know what? We're actually going to talk about that. Talk about the NIL, how it's going to affect college basketball. Talk also what Chris Beard has done at Texas. Kind of do a heat check on him with the show and say, now that three and a half months have passed, how do we feel about him? Talk about the new guys he has brought on and answer the question, is Texas too deep now? We're going to get into all that and more. Y'all, how we've been doing? It's been three and a half months since we last talked. How are we? How are we feeling? Fine, Tim. I, I have a longer answer, so if you want to go longer, Johnny, go ahead and go longer. Quite, quite fine. <laughs> so tomorrow, and by tomorrow for you all, fine folks, I mean probably today or tomorrow. What? Yesterday? Either today or yesterday, but my tomorrow. Anyways. So my son uh, plays his first actual tennis tournament tomorrow. So you can follow along in real time my affection for him, depending on how he's doing in his matches. Um, His affection for his son depends on how he does in the matches. Directly. Yes, directly. You can follow along in real time. Like when I followed along Johnny in real time on his Iron Man, uh, and that shit was slow. It was. but It's quite slow. It's incredibly slow. I happened to turn in right when he was in the middle of the Cozumel Sea, and uh, and I checked back like three hours later, basically unmoved. Yeah, but yeah, no, I was on land at that point, kinda. Uh, okay, sure, uh, but then also uh, my daughter came down with para influenza three, like croup, which is you know like a like a, basically a common cold. Uh, but I will tell you this: it's kind of run its course through our entire family. Um, Having a deep, awful cough mm. in the time of COVID um, is <laughs> awkward. Like, n- knowing for sure that I don't have COVID because, like, getting tested again and, like, being fully vaccinated but getting tested. Like, my kids got tested. They came back negative. They para-influenza three. That's just what the government cough, wants you to think. Yeah, that cough is real and loud, and that cough is snotty. And uh, it's awkward. Well, the COVID it's cough really, is really, dry, really so people who know their COVID facts should know that it's not a COVID cough. It's it's a whatever else other type of cough there is. I, I I had a I had a bad habit of eating spicy burritos before I would go into Target with a mask on to do grocery shopping, and the the salsa. We'd have like my nose running and I'd start to cough a little bit. And this is like at the height of everybody shutting everything down. And that was that was always like a you can't really explain that away. Like, no, no, just 
Just had El Pastor tacos. That's what it was. It's I'm not I'm not virulent. For, I, I for promise. For a show where we really don't have any time to fuck around, we are fucking around quite a bit here in the beginning. <laughs> Very good tacos, by the way. Go ahead, Tim. What's up? Uh, no, no, Nothing. I know you no, want to say no, something. You're right. Let's just let's just let it out. Let's get all of it out. Yeah, of the- please talk about your children's infectious diseases some more. Let's let's do this. You have betrayed my confidence, Johnny. <laughs> it's that's what I do, man. It's what I do. All, all right. Well, anyways, let's go ahead and do this. Let's give a heat check on Chris Beard now. We were not super high, to put it mildly, on Chris Beard when Texas first signed him as the head coach. Not because we didn't think he was a good coach and not because, you know, whatever other opin- things Texas fans put on us. I just don't think we were excited about, you know, with what we saw at Texas Tech. Now that the raw, oh, you know, on, on top of the fact that we were a little emotional because, well, I know Johnny and Tim were because a lot of Texas fans have been calling for him for years. And it kind of graded on them. But there were now layers. That the raw emotion of the moment. It's kind of fit, kind of faded away. How do we feel about Chris Beard three and a half months later? Let's just get the raw answer without grading Chris Beard. Just how do we feel about the hire? Well, we'll get into some of the nitty gritty here in a little while. Um, and 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 to be to be clear, there are a couple of things that I think are going to stick out for both Johnny and myself as far as we'll see, but. Man, I just, you know, we we have a guy named Jerry Hamilton on our site um, who's just is super connected and, you know. Is that with a G or a J? (laughs) For for a long time. In in talking back and forth with him and like being a part of some of the, you know, some of the the um, tech stuff with with our staff members. He was just like, listen, guys, it's going to happen. And we're like, ah, that's cool. That's cool. He's like, no, no, it's going to happen. Um and and there was, uh, I don't want to say I had a lot of consternation, but I was just like, all right, well, I guess I'll see, I'll see what he means. Um, but I, I will tell you this much: if you had told me in April that uh, that he would put together this staff, that he would keep the guys that he kept, that he would bring in the guys that he brought in, um, I'm not sure I would have. Even saying that I would have been incredulous would have kind of been putting it a little bit overboard. Um, so it's 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 the heat check. What do we think? Um, you can't even say he's checked every box. You would have to say he kicked every single box. He can. You know, you know. Yeah, it's 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 nuts. So it's been it's been really good. It's been really good. Now there's 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 questions that can't be answered yet, but the ones that he's answered, he has absolutely uh, very 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 forcefully answered. I I have to talk now, don't I? Yep. You're All the right. one. Uh, You're the one, Johnny, who everybody is waiting <laughs> for. Give us your no, answer. I don't think they're waiting. Everybody's waiting to, 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 to shit on whatever I have to say. So that's fine. Um, you know, whatever I, you answer, guess, people are going to be like, fuck that guy. I hate him. Yeah, he, fuck, he fucking hates Beard. He clearly hates Beard. I'm going to be like, he's amazing. They'll be like, he fucking hates how amazing he is. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's um, it, it's it's been... Uh, Really eye-opening watching um, not only the way he has, 
there's there's always been sort of this saying off and on in 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 hiring a new staff of or you know hiring a new coach of he's got to hit the ground running like that's sort of a cliche that gets thrown out there a lot over and over again and you know some coaches do and some coaches don't and i i don't know if i would say he's hit the ground running so much as he's like hit the track in a mustang but that's like supercharged or something like he is he is he is taking no prisoners he is um it is as if I, I don't know. It's almost like watching a supervillain who spent five years putting together a plan, and they get to enact it. Like they just blitz somebody, you know, they blitz their opponent with it. That's sort of what he's doing. Is like he's just he, he is um, he is going, you know, Mach two uh, straight out of the gate. There there is no screwing around. I, I had heard um, people around the program talk about how he said, you know, we're not we're not rebuilding a program we are you know we're in it to win right now and he you know and some of that is sort of coach sales speak right but he is not fucking around in the slightest he, he is absolutely trying to win everything this year if at all possible so um you know i do not doubt his energy or his enthusiasm or his desire to win right now or three weeks ago if he possibly could and he built his Texas Tech run on a few things. Obviously, he had some terrific recruiting success with Jarrett Culver and I never remember Zaire Smith, right? And and both, you know, Zaire Smith for sure was a guy that that had some fanfare, but but blew up his freshman year in a way that we didn't think was going to happen. Culver um, was also very highly recruited, but but ended up being a much better player than than his ranking as a recruit would have suggested. Um, bringing in a guy like Mooney, a guy like Moretti, a guy like uh, I think it was Tariq Owens. Yeah, uh, th- that that was sort of the heart of that two-year run, along with Keenan Evans, who was a holdover from Tubby Smith's time. Yeah, all those are Tech. built on a really good, uh, solid core. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Um, this is different. <laughs> the, you know, for all the really good things, and as good as Culver was, and obviously, I, I mean, you could you could assert that Culver was still the the best of of that whole crew like if you lay up like you know name up all the names Culver is still probably the top college player at least from a Ken I, I want to say Culver was the number one player uh, that year from Ken Palm so uh, his sophomore year but regardless you, you've got a you've got a circumstance where where we saw what he had at tech and and so if, if that was what you thought was the blueprint of this uh, of what he might bring in, like you're like, all right, well that's we'll we'll see, and then I just I don't know that anyone could have foreseen. Oh no, we're not going to get that level of guy. We're going to be getting a first team all Pac-12 player and a first team all um, Atlanta 10 player and a and a you know a guy who was third in the Big Ten in scoring Atlanta and assists 10? and a guy who at, and Atlanta okay. Atlanta said, 10 I right? You said Atlanta 10. Yeah, A10 A10 okay, yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I may have said Atlanta ten. I meant Atl- Atlantic ten. You're, and we're going to get a guy who led the who led the SEC in rebounding. Or I think I think um, Disu did. Anyways, what whatever it, 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 it's it's like oh 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 oh, <laughs> and and it's just very consistent with that. So yeah, um, I I don't feel like it's just a paradigm shift for Texas on what we've ever got. It certainly also seems to. I didn't see Beard targeting these kind of guys. I certainly didn't see Beard 
getting these kind of guys. And so, I, I, you know, unless you were absolutely all in and, like, thought this was happening and thought the NCAA was going to grant this, you know, this one-time thing and thought that this staff was going to be able to put it together, kudos to you. Uh, you're a much smarter person than I am, but I, I don't uh, – even the most excited fans, I'm not sure that anyone's going to foreseen this. So then let's real quick go through and give him a grade on the things that we can grade him on. Specifically, staff. Is he a good figurehead? Has he built a good roster? Has he been good at keeping the players around that he needs to? And is he a good scheduler of games? Schedule builder. Maybe well, that's a better way to say it. Yeah, we're, we're not going to know that yet. And we're not going to do that for months because that the most of the games that are being that, that are announced thus far are either ones that were scheduled prior to him becoming coach or part of, you know, uh, existing challenges like. Well, I, I'll kick back a little bit on that, Johnny. The big tournament that we were in in this season has already been like we stepped out of it and we replaced it with the Abe Levins Classic, which includes such oh, hot oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, as that's California fair. Baptist. Yeah. And we, <laughs> so I think in we, a future <laughs> podcast we can talk about uh, Beard's <laughs> scheduling, you know, his non-conference scheduling predilections. Uh, Let's just say uh, people who've been following since Barnes and did not like the the home games under Barnes will really, really have to make some decisions under Beard. Yeah, there's, we're probably going to end up watching Texas play like the Panther Island Brewery. I don't think we're getting point. Villanova um, in our building again. No, not if they, not unless it's part of the the one of those challenges, uh, like Big East Big Twelve Challenge or something like that. Yeah, that's that's the only way it's going to happen. And and I guarantee you, if uh, Gonzaga, Texas had not been pushed back a year because of COVID. We would be in the last year of Gonzaga, Texas right now, and they would never show up again. Um, but yeah, I, the scheduling, schedule building, we'll just call that TBD, um, with the history not on Beard's side for non conference stuff. Um, that said, the staff, and we can get into sort of the particulars of the staff when we talk about the NIL and some other stuff, but uh, the staff is definitely built to go get guys. Um, they, they are going to go get who they want to get. There is uh, very little that is going to stop them, both internally and externally, from getting the, the, the players they want to get. Um, they are very much a metaphorical rainmaker staff uh people talked about them being a you know being a loaded staff and yeah that they're, they're definitely going to be that we, we can talk about that a little bit um so you know we, we can give them a high grade for that and sort of discuss it later like give them a grade though give the staff a grade i, I will say for the you know for sort of the moment for the the situation that that we're in and sort of what we think what i think the ncaa is going to be i'll give them an a yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll rock A+. Plus. Uh, as Johnny has alluded to, there is a huge caveat, a gigantic caveat. My gut is that that caveat doesn't matter now and probably will not matter. And if that is true, um, then the A-plus is there. If that caveat ends up mattering, then okay. Uh, that could drop to like a D, maybe even like a D minus. Um, but uh, but uh, for right now, man, it, it's uh, it's an A plus. The staff's really really. Yeah, good. I guess I, uh, my my thing that keeps me from an A plus is that there are 
sort of tactical decisions within a game and sort of X's those things that keeps me from giving them an A plus. But I understand where Tim's coming from. Okay, so what can't we grade him on right now? Obviously, right, we cannot grade him on for the Encore product. We can't grade him for how he manages the roster because of how deep it is right now. We don't think we've seen him do that at Texas Tech. What you know? What else do you think? giving him a grade right now would be unfair. Yeah, I think that the 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 potential roster churn is is something we will have to watch, right? Like that is that is definitely a significant concern for me just based on his history and the depth that he's recruited to and guys who are probably feeling like they should be starters who may end up being the eighth guy in the rotation. I mean, it's it's not unique to him, right? Like that's this happened last year at Texas where Gerald Littell was like, I think I should play more minutes and went somewhere else, right? So that's not unique to him, but it is a concern to see how a guy who spends so much time in the transfer portal is, is going to have to replace guys probably more frequently than somebody who recruits high school athletes possibly. Um, so there's that. Uh, schedule building is TBD until we get the schedule. So there's that, uh, we, that, that can't be, that, that can't be dealt with the X's and O's stuff. We, we sort of, you know, reference that's probably also TBD because he is work rocking with basically uh, other than Ulrich and an entirely new staff. Well, Ulrich and the strength and conditioning guy, uh, an entirely new staff. So we don't know exactly what their offense or defense is going to look like. We, we've got some guesses, but, um, that's TBD. So I, I would say those are all sort of things we can't really grade him on as of yet. Well, and I, it's 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 just going to be really tough to grade him now because going back to what we talked about, you know, 10 minutes ago, it's, it's just a different level of player. Like this is one of the reasons that Johnny and I are having to sort of recalibrate what's happening here is this is, I don't want to say it's a college all-star team. It's really not, but like, it's kind of like a rookie summer league team <laughs> is what is what beers put together. And I actually I mean that in the most earnest, thoughtful way, like a bunch of these guys are absolutely like pro aspirations, um, maybe not like high level draft picks, but like guys that would be on the NBA radar and certainly guys that would that would garner a look from scouts and from teams that would say, hey, we can we can figure this guy out and. And that's, that just bears out from the stats of what we've seen from some of these guys. And so to to talk about like, one of the weird things that Johnny and I talked about a couple, I don't remember if it was earlier this week or maybe previously, uh, I'm sure it was Johnny saying like, I'm just not sure about his offensive, about his offensive system. And I'm even more sh- unsure about the fact that maybe that doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, maybe yeah, none that's, of this that matters. is definitely something I said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so and which I think is is true at, at some point even Rick Barnes's offenses look good when TJ Ford was in it even his offense looked good when Kevin Durant was in it perhaps Chris Beard's offense can look good when he has these guys and so it's it's just I mean maybe none of it fucking matters because really with with this level of of guys coming in and not just not just high-level players, but guys who've competed and have produced at the level that, the, that these players have. It just, it's just, how do you how do you have any idea how it works? Now, Johnny's caveat is a huge one because figuring out figuring out what the tempo of the offense, figuring out shot selection, figuring out a roster 
um, and personal decisions, you know, given given how um, how successful a lot of these guys have already been on the court, will be man. He's gonna he's gonna earn his money. Well, certainly. Speaking and, of and that, he, um, let's talk about how. <laughs> speaking of earning let's money, let's talk about how Texas has gotten <laughs> this deep of a roster. The NIL laws, because uh, that is the reason Chris Beard has been recruiting so well. Uh, the name, image, and likeness laws, if you are been living under a sports rock, that is now a thing where players can make money under their name, image, and likeness, using their name, image, and likeness. So far, we've seen this be very, very successful. Like, very successful. There are players out there making six figures, seven figures, if they're a big name, and... You know, if they're not, they're still making five figures, which is more than I made in college. My my favorite was the what was he a D two tennis player who was like seventh best on his team, who was selling a the the experience of him watching Wimbledon or something like I, <laughs> he he had a great it's like he had YouTube videos that were that were, that were amazing that um, were just him talking about like how he led his conference in double faults. And he was, it was, it was great. He, he, and I think he ended up making a couple grand off of this. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Cuppy cup for our podcast, our call of Cthulhu podcast. He paid $40 to some D three tennis player from Iowa to that. That might've been him. Do you actually. Think? Yeah. It, that might've been him. Maybe, uh, may, maybe it was D two yeah. to, to give a shout out to our podcast. So, yeah, a lot of players are making money off of it, and you know, including Shaq's son, uh, Sharif O'Neal at LSU is making is going to make a ton of money because he is one of the most followed college athletes on social media in any college sport, and including some of the professional sports. This he already has a massive following. My question to you is. Will the NIL save college basketball? Because we have been seeing the NBA, the NBL making efforts to really not snuff out, but take a run at some of the best players in college basketball with the new name, image and likeness. Now they can make money, not under the table, although they still will uh, through the name, image and likeness stuff. Will this save college basketball? Do you, do you think this is enough to keep some of those top five players in college basketball? We already saw it with Greg Brown, but now that you have this name, image, and likeness, the ability to wow. actually make money over the table. Uh, yeah. What do you think? I I mean, I think so. I think it is uh, one. I don't want to say it's going to save college basketball because I don't think college basketball necessarily needs saving. What I think it will do is it will. I'm talking about it, it long, changes long the math. Run. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. I, I, the thing is, if even if the NCAA had uh, had not gone to the Supreme Court and got their dick punched in by nine consecutive Supreme Court justices, which is pretty amazing unto it, itself. It's amazing to get some bipartisanship all, right now. Yeah, yeah, like you know, you know, they 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 got the concurring opi- opinion by a Supreme Court justice. I like beer coming at them. Hard. In my mind, uh, Thomas, Thomas and Ginsburg would have fist bumped 
at yeah. some point. But yeah, <laughs> just yeah, yeah. It's 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 pretty it's pretty amazing that how how shitty your operation has to be that everybody in the Supreme Court went, yeah, that's fucked up, man. Um, so I think, um, you know, just setting aside how much fun it was to watch the NCAA get pantsed by it, it actually it's sort of like they did their Cersei walk of shame where they just got pantsed by the Supreme Court, but you know, for, for a, a week, they walked behind them ringing a bell, yelling shame, and then they got to go back to the Red Keep and retool and blow up some shit. Like, that's basically what happened because the NCA now has an entirely new lease on life because they now have a situation where people who might have been on the fence about going pro, uh, you know, call it second round draft picks in the NBA for this for, for, for this particular situation, second round or guys who would have been two way deals. They now have a possible six figure income in the NCAA based off of their their general fame. Like you think about a guy like Luca Garza who if he if he was a sophomore this year or this past year, he would be going into his junior season thinking about do I want to go to the NBA where I'm probably not going to get drafted maybe maybe late second round or I can have every Iowa Hawkeye alum on the planet throwing me bones to just have me sponsor whatever, right? They could do that. And he could make a shit ton of money. So he could be incentivized to stay another year. Those kind of guys can do it. Or like Jacobin. Yeah, or Jacobin. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Guys who, you know, the guys like Kai Jones who are going to probably be possible lottery picks, like those guys are still going to go because you still make so much money in the first round, especially in the lottery, that that's, you know, NIL is not going to be able to compete with that. But with the marginal pro prospect this this opens up a whole new realm. And it also, you know, it takes a guy like, say, Greg Brown, who was offered somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 to 500 grand to go be in the G League. And you could say, oh, well, with your social media following and your T-shirts and all this other stuff, we can get you to six figures while being in the, in the NCAA. That makes that decision easier for them. So where the G League and NBL had this upper hand, they don't anymore. It's not, I mean, they, they, they're still going to get some guys, like they're still going to get some people, but it's not the clear favorite option for people who, you know, for, for a certain cast of people. So there, there's a, the, 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 the playing field is not, maybe not been leveled, but it is definitely more level than it was. Well, and where I think you were right, Will, in that, again, you're both right. As far as like, will this save college basketball? I'm more right, but go ahead. (laughs) Um, I do think that there is a way in which when the NBA goes back to uh, when they take away the year, right? So very soon here, everyone kind of assumes that the next CBA for the NBA is going to say, um, you no longer need to spend a year in, you know, after high school, in college, or go into Australia, or in the G League, or whatever. Like everyone just assumes that you're the, the next CBA is going to say, "Hey, you can come to the NBA right out of high school." I do think that um, when people have thought about that in the past, they've also assumed that <clears throat> that that will you know that would have led to the top you know to maybe something like eight of the top fifteen or six of the top 20 guys be like, all right, see ya, I'm going to Ignite, or see ya, I'm going to Overtime Elite, or whatever is going to be, something like that. 
And with this, especially for basketball, I'm just not sure it will. Football, I'm, I think there's going to be a lot of football players who are disappointed in the NIL stuff that they get, right? There's going to be a lot of football players who think that they're going to make big money. And it's like, uh, you know, Sam Ellinger is the only one that really matters or whatever it might be. Uh, in basketball, that's not true. That's just simply not true because there's going to be a lot of basketball players wherever they are that's going to, that are really going to pull it down. So I think, I think that Johnny is, is more right. You said, yes, yes, very much so. Yes. But you're also super right. My guy in that college basketball, would a guy like Marcus Carr come to Texas instead of potentially going to Greece for a couple of years? If there wasn't something grease in the wheels, if you know what I'm saying, right? Does that save college basketball a little bit? Would a guy like Greg Brown come to Texas instead of going to the G league? Maybe. Does that save college basketball? A little bit. You know, so from that standpoint, I, I do think there's there's some of that. That's the better college basketball is, the more it's on our minds, the more these games are fun to watch, the more people are engaged in March, the better it is for all of that. And I, I do think this helps, at least incrementally, um, yeah, potentially quite I a wonder, bit. I wonder yeah, it definitely what happens helps to incrementally. Yeah. in a few years. Does it start to slow down? No. In, ter- in terms of like... The, the lower tier players, not the higher mm. tier players, but the lower tier guys. I, I, so here's, here's what I think is I, my personal opinion on what is likely to happen. A lot of the money that was below ground is going to become above ground because a lot of the boosters who are funding bag men all over the SEC or Big 12 or wherever now have a tax write-off. And they're going to be like, hey... I can get this dude to go sponsor my car dealership and pay him 30 grand that I was going to pay him in cash. And now it's a business expense. <laughs> and I think I, you know, I, I may be wrong about this, but to me, like all these dudes that all these weird rich dudes who want to throw cash at players, they have now found a way to make it tax deductible. And so why the fuck would they not? Like it's, I, I don't. I, I don't think it's going to go away. I. I mean, and I, and I'll, I guess I'll put it another way. I feel like what we are going to see over the next five years or so, barring some significant change in policy, is people are going to finally see the money that was circulating behind doors, closed doors. They're going to see it up front because these guys are going to be filing tax returns now. But um, won't anybody and, and I, think about the poor colleges who are losing the money? From the sponsorships that are now going to the players. Well, they weren't getting that cash in the first place because it was a a literal duffel bag of cash before. And now it's just a sponsorship that they're going to see in, you know, page 36 of the newspaper or whatever. So they were never getting it before. They're still, you know, Joja Mail's grandchildren are still going to be giving a million dollars to the school out of habit or whatever. Just to get their their kids in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm actually truly fascinated by how this impacts, in a fun way, the small... So a school like Iowa State that is truly sports and basketball crazy, 
how does NIL impact them? I think in a, in a very positive way. Because so many dudes like sponsoring tractors and shit. And oh, I and like, I've got – yeah, like Case IH sponsored by Marcus Pfizer, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jamal Tinsley loves uh, Ron Wilson Ford. Come on down to dick with him. Okay, so – Come by the George Nyang brand John Deere tractor. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> it's – but yes. But so when will you talk about like what will this mean in a few years? I think that's really interesting because – when you consider Texas and the Texas fan base and how little, like, so if we, if we go, I, this is all cyclical, right? So when Johnny and I talk about this staff, um, we are less than about a, I, I think we're about a year removed from CDC telling Shaka, no, we are not going to spend that money on Jay Lucas. Right. So, yep. so Jay Lucas gets an offer from Kentucky Jay comes back to Shaka and says, hey, here's the money I'm getting from Calipari. I will stay here if you pay me this money. And Shaka goes to CDC, and CDC says no. And uh, less than a year later, Chris Beard goes to CDC and says, hello, thanks for the money. I would like to you know, hire, and you can name the person, whether it's Rodney Terry or... Um, Jarrett Howard. Howard or 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 Ogden Jarrett Howard right Jarrett Howard <laughs> and CDC says yes right and that's wonderful and that that insinuates that we are talking about a very brand new um, standpoint of or circumstance of of how into this we are going to be uh, will we be that in a couple of years will Texas be that into to promoting basketball and trying to get basketball to be at that level. I'm not sure. I, if, if we're successful, if this team is as good as we all think it can be, maybe the answer is hell yes. Maybe the answer is, eh, we'll see. Is Beard actually the right guy? And What a great staff. What a great roster. Who knows? Um, but, but a school like Iowa State that has proven over and over and over again that the fans really give a shit and – and these businesses know that the fans really give a shit. Will schools like that start to benefit more so than others? Will Gonzaga be even more of a hotbed because the Spokane area is hot? It's hot with businesses that really just want to, you know, really take advantage of this. The stuff. Kansas or, State head like, coach for football said that Manhattan, Kansas is a gold mine for NIL. The, well, here, he, the, the highest per capita city in the country of millionaires, and this is true, the highest per capita city in the country of millionaires. You know what it is? Anyone want to Nebraska guess? probably because it's like a one-person town and it's Warren Buffett. <laughs> it's mine. Cedar Rapids. Cedar Rapids has more millionaires than any other city in the country. The city that I live in is, is number one per capita of millionaires. Now, that, does that matter? Probably fucking not. <laughs> Tim, but in a is this, like, is this a humble brag to tell us that you're a millionaire? I just nope. think this is. I think he got sponsored by Cedar Rapids to, to promote N-I-L. Cedar Rapids on our podcast. You think that with the language and the amount of drinking that I do in this podcast, that I am <laughs> that I am telling anyone how much that I'm doing? Like, I yeah, no, it, yeah, that sounds very Iowan, actually. Yes, <laughs> but it's, so it's it's just there's there's money in weird places. There's also places where college athletes really matter. Do they matter in South Central Los Angeles? I don't know. Does USC, can they fucking make this work? I'm not sure. 
Can Rutgers make NIL work? Uh, I'm not sure. Can Ames, Iowa? Maybe. Can Manhattan? Maybe. Could, uh, where is, Auburn is in, is in Auburn, right? Auburn's in, like, Auburn, Alabama. Is that the town? Yeah. Can they make it work? Maybe. Tallahassee? Maybe. You know, like, so schools like that where, like, a college athlete is a legit celebrity, that will be really interesting. Yeah. Let's go ahead, though, and get on to the players. What? Thanks for the positive feedback. Yeah, this is great. This was a lot of. This is very. This is very interesting. You, you know, hustling Iowa for for people to show up. Yeah. Just, just also car rentals. Car rentals are cheap here. I'm just saying, just, you know, you're oh in trouble gosh. finding a house in Austin. This is a good place to look. Yeah. Okay. Six, uh, Sixty dollars right. a square Moving foot. On. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was really interested to him. Uh, anyways, moving on. Let's let's go to uh, look at. Who's on the team right now? Texas Wait, was what? able to retain. How, okay. Yeah. Hang on. We're not going to talk about how he got all of these people. <laughs> we're just going to we're going to blow through NIL and be like, "Yep, that's good. Veer got him with NIL." Yep. That's what we're going to do. That's how he did it. I mean, that's Okay. Is yep. that not Definitely. Johnny, is that not how he did it? De- de- you know, yes, yes, Chris Beard and his NCA allegation staff um, definitely got this just by I- completely NIL. above board. NIL, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's through the NIL. Yes, they. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny, if if not, then how? Two thirds of his staff has had has been named in the NCA <laughs> allegations list, and the third, maybe the only reason he hasn't been is because he only brings Canadians to town. And so they're like, that's across borders. We don't. That's we don't care. It's fine. We, we're only we're only concerned with Americans that, that do shady things. Like, I, and and I here's the thing. I I feel like it's fairly confident you don't you don't back away now, Tim. You cannot back away from the microphone now. I see that. I see that. You're not. I, I see it. Um, Chris Beard has assembled. Did he just completely leave? <laughs> <laughs> he just dropped off the call. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Fair. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. T- Tim. Tim disagrees with all of this. Tim believes that Chris Beard and his staff are uh, virginal and and pure as the driven snow. Um, what I will say is, um, if you were coming up with a coaching staff that was willing to do anything and everything to land whatever player they want. Um, I don't know how differently you would build the staff from what Chris Beard has. Um, You've got Jarrett Howard, who is named by the NCAA in Kansas allegations, saying we have him literally on tape. Uh, You have Ulrich Maligi, who... Uh, was named in NCAA allegations when he was with SMU uh, working for Larry Brown, which the fact that he was working for Larry Brown is in and of itself, it's its own uh, mark. Uh, then he decided to go team up with Stansbury, Rick Stansbury at AM, which uh, Rick Stansbury is maybe the most open secret of known dirty dudes. <laughs> he got a five-star player to Western Kentucky, man. Like that's that's its own thing. Um, Rodney Terry, who 
uh, is the magic Canadian Pied Piper. Um, there's, and, and then, you know, Chris Ogden is not even assistant coach. He decided to take a job where he, when he was a head coach, he decided to go take a job where he wasn't even an assistant head coach because, you know, he just really loves being director of player operations. That's, that was, he was a head coach, but he really just wanted to be a director of player operations. That was his, that was his life goal. So, um, I'm not saying that they are cheating. Uh, What I'm saying is I don't think it matters anymore. Um, And I, I have, I've made a pretty rapid transformation on this. Um, Not so much that I care about cheating in and of itself. Not that I care so much about if players get paid or not that, you know, players getting paid is ruining the game. It is ruining the sanctity of college athletics and by God, I won't have it. There you go. That's good. Good. Good job, Will. Thank you. Um, you you have you have sufficiently captured the view of every seventy plus year old on the internet. Um, it I'm is no, no longer I, watching I, professional sports because of all the politics. So, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They just why don't they all stand for the flag or something? So, um. I have ne- I I don't know if I have really cared about players getting paid over the past several years just because I feel like they should get paid above the above board. I feel like they should be able to count it as taxable income and invest it however they see fit uh, because they are very talented people with very special abilities and they should be able to set the market on their on the price of their abilities. Um, that said, we are. It, in a position now that even three months ago we weren't really in because not only was there, uh, I mean, the Obana versus NCAAs a couple years ago, Alston versus NCAAs in the last couple months um, or last month or so. But what really changed things for me in terms of how, how much or little I care is that Mark Emmert came out in the last week and said, basically, you know, I feel like we should probably deregulate and let conferences handle all this stuff that that the NCAA shouldn't really be doing much in the way of enforcement and shouldn't really be doing much in the way of of dealing with the NIL like this should be the conferences deal. We, we should back off from that. And if the NCAA is not going to be the enforcement mechanism for college sports anymore and is handing it over to the college, over to the conferences, then who gives a shit if players are getting paid, if it is quote unquote cheating under the NCAA rules and regulations? Cause if the NCAA is not going to enforce them, then why, why does anyone care? Right? So like if, uh, Chris Beard and his staff are in fact, uh, rolling out the red carpet for every recruit they want and every transfer they want, who cares? Right? Like, in in this in this given situation in this given market, them not doing it is actually a competitive disadvantage to the likes of Kentucky and hey, Kansas. Texas football, did you fucking hear that? Say it a little louder. Yeah, they yeah. Uh, drop the bags, everybody. Like that's it. it you know, it, if it helps the players get uh get their due cash, if it um. If we're in a situation where the downsides to doing it are minimal, like it's not like it was 20 years ago where if if a assistant coach got popped dropping bags for a player, 
that the the school would lose, you know, six years of scholarships and have vacated titles and all that stuff. That doesn't I mean, if if what Mark Emmert said ends up being the official NCAA position, and given that he is the head of the NCAA, it seems like that's gonna be the official position, then why not do it? And if that's the case, then this staff is gangbusters for that sort of thing, right? Like, I, you know, whether whether they want to admit it or not, uh, whether they want to be open about it or not, whether they're, I mean, they, they're probably going to, if they, if they ever heard this, they'd probably come out and be like, this is entirely false and we don't do that sort of thing. We believe in the sanctity of education and, you know, amateur athletes, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, also don't mind these duffel bags in my sedan. It's just, I, who gives a shit? If there if if there is no possible downside for the school for paying players, if there is no real downside for the coaches or for the players to be ruled ineligible, then fucking give them the cash and build your team. Like if the, if the future of the NCA is minor league basketball, fucking build the salary you want to build. build. You know, there's no salary cap here. Just. Texas, among any other school, is probably uniquely situated to hand out gobs of cash yeah. to whoever they feel yeah. like. Uh, Earth to Texas football. Earth, yeah, stop maybe, maybe being Sark so needs to, Sark should hire Jarrett Howard. Stark, Sark <laughs> as needs a Chris Beard as a as a a recruiting coach to tell him, "Yo, hey, like I know." I know, but also look at like what everybody else around you was doing and and blow them out the water. Like I know you're trying, but like try harder. Anyways, uh, we're Tim? we're supposed to be pretending we're not football. Tim, 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 you're here. Tim, you want to you want to join the podcast and we can we can talk about uh, <laughs> who's still on the basketball team. I just I just filibustered about this like you did about oh I don't know Matt Coleman. We talk a lot on my tennis team about there's nothing worse than doing something wrong and having success. In some respects, I wonder if Mac Brown winning a championship was that for Texas football. Because the guy was pretty clean, and he did it with his guys, and he did it with his assistants, which is awesome. But if that has played a role in Texas not being willing to open up their pocketbooks and say, hey, let's go get the best assistance. Let's go, let's shoot for the moon. Let's figure it out. And it felt like Sarkeesian did that a little bit, but also not to the extent that we could have. Um, maybe that was the best, worst thing that could happen to us. So anyways, that would be my take. Anyways, on Texas basketball, Texas basketball. That's what this podcast is about, right? That's a lot better than, yeah, so. Thanks for that better segue on my on my take. No worries, no worries, no worries. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> anyways, I was interesting. Uh, who's on this team, Tim? Still on this team. Texas lost a lot of players on this team, but Chris Beard was able to hold on to four guys. Tim, any thoughts on the retaining of Courtney Ramey? Probably is a guy who's going to be potentially coming off the bench. Same with Andrew Jones. Jace Febris definitely coming off the bench. And Brock Cunningham, maybe your number 10 guy. Being able to retain those guys for those positions. 
Uh, Jace and Brock were coming back regardless from everything I've heard. So they those were both guys I think were going to be here if Texas hired Chris Beard or kind of anybody else. So I wasn't shocked when they returned because that was the that was the word from everybody. I do think that that Jace will be an interesting player in Beard's system. He doesn't necessarily fit as a guy that that um, brings the type of skill set that Beard is necessarily uh, famous for playing. But obviously, as a shooter, someone who's been around a long time, someone who's kind of seen it all in this in this conference. You like that. Now, obviously, Cunningham is the opposite direction where you would say, hey, he's someone that really fits what we saw under Beard in different spots. So uh, that that was a very, very obvious fit, and everyone will probably, you know, harken back to the, I don't remember for sure if it was, like, during the season or if it was in the conference tournament, you know, the Beard and Cunningham fist bump after Cunningham made a good defensive play. But uh, those guys make a whole lot of sense to me. I feel uh, Ramey, like Brock Cunningham is def is like the not homeless looking Avery Benson. <laughs> see, I see Benson's hair and just say like, why, why God, why? But why, um, why do you have a Mumford and Sons roadie on the team? <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, Andrew and Courtney, you know, I, I, I certainly am glad they're both back for sure. You look at Andrew Jones, I want to say he averaged almost 17 points last year in conference. That's that's a number that's pretty crazy, actually. That's that's a really that's a that's a lot higher than maybe people are kind of aware of. I do think Courtney Ramey has gotten a bit of a bad rap as far as, you know, some of the mistakes he made last year and over his time at Texas have been pretty big. Um, it's easy to focus on the really bad turnover against Texas Tech at home earlier in the season. It's easy to focus on some of his poor decision making, his poor finishing at the rim. But that doesn't take away from the fact that dude shot like 41% from three for an entire season. Doesn't take away the fact that he's he's, you know, he loves Texas. He really wants to to perform well. He's solid everywhere. Does he need to be better to be like a top 15 or top 20 player in the country? I suppose so. But Courtney Ramey can impact basketball games in a very positive way, and I think bringing him back was it was a huge step in showing not just that like hey I can bring these guys in, but also saying to Texas fans. Uh, we don't want to take what Shaka did and just say fuck this place and like like no one that was good enough for Shaka is good enough for us. No, it's like hey, these are good players. You know, we, we understand that Shaka, for all his faults, you know, was was the Texas coach, and and that meant that people believed in him and wanted him to do well, and that also means embracing his recruits. And so I'm glad that Beard made some of those choices and seemed to kind of approach that in a very thoughtful way. Um, I, I... I think you overestimate how much Chris Beard gave a fuck about what Shaka was doing. <laughs> I don't like, I think, I think he kept Ramey in. I mean, Ramey is a good player, but he kept him in part because when he walked on campus, when Beard walked on campus, who the fuck else was going to run point when he was here? There were f- three dudes left if, if he didn't have Ramey around. So, um, you know, there's a reason he went after Askew and Carr and other people because I, I, I would, I am sincerely interested in the Courtney Ramey Chris Beard relationship and seeing how that operates because um, neither of them seems like they have a problem telling anyone in the world how they feel about a thing. <laughs> so, I, 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 you know, they will either get along amazingly or they'll fucking hate each other. And I don't know which it will be. It might vary throughout the season, 
but I'm, I really want to watch that. Let's anyway. go ahead and dive into the new players, though, that we have on this team. Because we know we know the old players. We know, you know what, what to expect there, hopefully. Maybe something new under this new system. But new additions to the team. And we'll start off with Christian Bishop, the power forward out of Creighton. How much are we going to see Christian Bishop? We know he's coming in here expecting to be a day one starter. Is that going to be the case? No, I. I mean, I. Barring injury, I no. I. I it's he's he's an interesting player. Um, I. I think. I. I feel like, and this this could be you know it's it's very early, so this this could be irresponsible speculation on my part. But I feel like I am seeing a little bit of Chris Beard, kid in a candy shop kind of thing right now. Because like he went after Christian Bishop very early, understandably so, because Bishop is a very good player, um, and probably told him, "Hey, you're gonna you're gonna be a really important piece here. We want want to have you start and play a bunch of minutes." And then he went and got you know Disu, and then he went and got Mitchell, and then he went and got you know like he just. I, I feel like Bishop may have been recruited over a little bit. That's sort of sort of my my feeling on it. I don't think he'll start. I think he'll play meaningful minutes. I think he's a guy that makes a lot of sense off the bench with this particular lineup because he's super. Um, he's very dynamic athletically. He can really he can really run. He can really finish above the rim. He's a good rebounder. He's a smart player. He comes from a basketball program that has had a lot of success. So I think from that standpoint, like he gets winning. You know, Creighton's been very good, but um, yeah, it, it's it's it seems as if when you when you take a look at like his ceiling versus um, Disu and and Mitchell, I, he seems most likely to be to be. Lower. Devin Askew, next guy we got going on, comes from Kentucky, the point guard, former high four star, some say five star was unceremoniously kicked out of Lexington. What do we think well, about him? Well, I, I, would, I would say it was, he, he was not kicked out of Lexington in the same way Shaka was not kicked out of Texas. Like, if if you can find another spot, it's cool. You know? <laughs> like, it's like, like, maybe a little bit of that. Like, I ask you, um, is... I feel like if Askew had not reclassified, so he had stayed, he would be a freshman now instead of being a freshman last year. Um, he might have a better, better flow of things. Like he came in pretty highly rated. He got stuck on a COVID Kentucky squad that just did not fit well together and was probably thrown to the wolves too much. Um, I don't know if he's going to be a ton better at Texas. He might. Uh, the opinions vary wildly on him. Um, there are some people I talk to who think he's going to be potentially really good. Um, there's other people who are very concerned about, well, prior to Marcus Carr being signed, they were very concerned about if Courtney Ramey goes down and Devin Askew was going to have to run this this team. Um, so I, I, it's there, there's a real variance on that dude, probably a high, high, very high floor, low ceiling kind of guy. I dig him. Yeah, I'm a big fan, but I under, so I, I get what Johnny's talking about. I've heard a lot of the same consternation stuff. I like him a lot. He's a super athlete. He's actually very skilled. 
He's got great body control. His shot was kind of ass last year as far as like percentages stuff. It's clean though. Like his body control is clean. He catches the ball well. His his footwork and his handwork is good. Um, I think he's just a guy that just didn't quite understand how to make it work. Some guys you look at and say, hey, they're you know like the Isaiah Taylor as a freshman just seemed to like you know he his numbers were really good here at Texas, but you sort of like well there's some things he can't do. I think that with the opposite is true about Askew. He just didn't look comfortable at all as a freshman at Kentucky, but he's actually much more capable than he showed. So I don't think he's going to be a gigantic player this year. I mean, how could you be with, with guys like Andrew and Courtney and, and Marcus ahead of you? Uh, but that's good for Texas, I think, as long as as long as Beard can keep him. <laughs> that, there's that caveat again. As long as Beard can keep him and, and feel like, hey, we're, we're building for you. This is going to be your team uh, when these guys go. But if, if they can make that work, I, I really like him. But, yeah, he's, he's a guy that, that certainly did not uh, would not inspire a lot of confidence given his stats from last year. And, and if you watch Kentucky play, it just, it just wasn't good. But it wasn't good anywhere. You know, they, it, 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 I would not say he was the, the root of their problems. He was just another factor in, in, uh, in a program that was, that was floundering. Let's get to the next guy. Sticking in the SEC, Dylan, what do we say, DeSue? Is that what we said? Is I, that his I'm, name? I'm pretty sure we're just gonna cycle through them until somebody tells us otherwise. Right. So, so Dylan, Dylan coming back to Texas. What do we think about what he brings? One of the better rebounders in the SEC to Texas, who just lost probably most, if not all, their big men. He's another player that has a ton of potential. Uh, if you take a look at his stats from last year, he was. What you 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 look at a guy like Jericho Sims for Texas, and the numbers didn't always paint the picture that maybe it felt like was there because he was so good at switching on defense. He was so dominant as someone that could that could be a defensive presence all over the floor. He was so good at catching those alley oops and and being a finisher at the rim. He you know the things that Jericho did well, it was it was great. But some of the things he did well also didn't show up in the in the stat book. Uh, Dylan is a little bit different. <laughs> His stats are terrific. You know, uh, 15 points a game, almost 10 rebounds a game, shot 37% from three. Like those those numbers are are objectively terrific. Is he that good? Would he put up those numbers on a team like Texas if he's the fourth option or the fifth option, depending on the circumstances? A little bit tougher to know for sure. I know the staff is is high on him, but also is taking things slowly and trying to kind of play it in a way that they are that they are putting him in a situation where he can be successful um i I know that he's got some work to do as far as his post moves and whether he can be successful closer into the basket as someone that like has you know can feel can feel the defender on his shoulders and 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 know what to do so that'll be something that 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 we'll see progress hopefully as, as his time here continues uh however you know obviously He's not coming to Texas to feel like, oh, I want to finish up my career here. He's like, hey, this will be a, another showcase for me as opposed to being at Vanderbilt where I can um, maybe show the world what I can do against a team like Kansas or Baylor and, and be really good. So I, I I like his game, and you're going to hear that from me a lot, <laughs> as you have already about the about the incoming guys. But he's he's someone that, that comes in with great numbers. I'm not sure I would say look at those numbers and say, yes, he's going to be fantastic. But you also can see, hopefully, how Beard and staff will use him and understand, okay, well, if they can highlight those successes that he's had, 
if they can figure out how to take the positives that he's obviously capable of bringing and and translating that into our into our roster and our personal decisions, then then all the better. But I, I'm not sure you would look at him and say, "Hey, give him the rock every single time." He's going to he's going to show us a multitude of ways he can, ways he can score. Maybe not, but but the things he can do, he can do really well. The next guy is the one where I think Texas fans realized. All right, no, oh, go ahead, Johnny. I just feel like you skipped over Timmy Allen. The next guy is the guy where I felt like Texas fans and myself included realized that. Okay, maybe this staff is is bringing in a team that of transfers that could be special with bringing in Timmy Allen from Utah. This is one of the better players in the Pac-12 that Texas brought into their team. Tim, what do you think about the addition of Timmy Allen? I think if he could shoot, he'd be a top 15 draft pick this year. That's uh, and I guess I Why mean that I in the most. Why do I get Dylan Osakowski vibes? From this guy, <laughs> he's he's much more well. If, if you go back to, <laughs> well, he back, did shoot twenty one percent from three last uh, two years ago, so maybe that's what you're feeling. If you go back to that that Longhorn uh, scrimmage where Dylan was awesome, right? Where Dylan shot like five for five from three, or like maybe like nine for nine total overall. Um, if you go back to that game, I'm pretty sure Dylan had three or four turnovers. Which meant he was being guarded by like freshman year uh, James Banks, and still, you know, was kind of butt as far as a playmaker. That's not Timmy Allen. Timmy Allen is legitimate as a playmaker, as a facilitator, as a passer, as someone who can create his own shot or a shot for others. He's really good. He's just he's just a super solid. He's crazy intelligent. He understands you know floor spacing. He he, you know, reads people open as a passer. He's just, he's terrific. He just can't shoot. <laughs> it, again, if he could, I think he'd be in the NBA right now. And his numbers suggest that, like seventeen points a game. Uh, I'll go over here and take a look at his stats: seventeen points, uh, six and a half rebounds, four assists. Um, you know, one point three steals. You know, things are really good. Twenty-seven percent from three. Right, so he's going to be a guy. So, so Beard brought with him a guy named Bob Donwald or Dunwald, sorry, um, who was a player development coach uh, for Cleveland when LeBron was there. So he's been a player development coach in a lot of places, including multiple stops in the NBA. And when Beard brought him to Tech, that was a very huge coup for him to bring to Lubbock, because a guy like that who has that kind of skins on the wall um, is huge. And this is what he's going to earn his money with. So if Dunwald is able to is able to figure out a way to to take a twenty seven percent three point shooter and build him to a thirty two percent or you know fingers crossed thirty four percent three point shooter, Timmy Allen is going to make a lot of money. But regardless, he's a guy who you absolutely want with the ball in his hands because he can alleviate some pressure from a guy like Marcus Carr. If Carr is going up against a really good perimeter defender, okay, well, we can put the ball in Timmy Allen's hands and he can create a shot for himself or others. He can pass um, out of double teams. He can create good looks at the rim, whatever. He's a guy that can defend multiple positions. He's a guy that can get you a tough rebound. He's a guy that converts from the free throw line. He's just, he's a, he's someone that I think is, is going to, 
do a lot of good. He was first team All Pac-12, you know, which which you know voted by both media and coaches. And when someone, I, I appreciate the media stuff, and as as a media member, you know, quotations, that's awesome. When coaches vote you first team at a conference like that, home you can play. Um, and it's it's fun it's fun to think about. All right, you think about the the potential of a guy like Trey Mitchell, how how um, how good we've seen a guy like Andrew Jones be at his best. That's awesome. Um, neither of them have been a first team coaches all, all you know all first team selection in a conference like the Pac-12, like Timmy Allen has, I believe, two times in a row now. So it's it's it it he he can really really play, and it's it's a need that uh, that we haven't seen someone at that position be that good since I suppose Jordan Hamilton, and even then, like Jordan Hamilton's the only time we've seen that. Maybe in my career, I mean, in, in my entire actual fandom at Texas, I'm not sure there's ever been a three like that for us. Can you think of someone else? Uh, well, you're saying he was a three, homie. Play, he was a center. <laughs> you're, if I could you, bitch. squint any harder right now, I wouldn't see anything. <laughs> Just, I mean, you you think you? I mean, I don't know. Maybe I hear you. Look, okay. You just spent like three minutes of your filibuster talking about how he can't shoot. And then you're like, maybe since Jordan Hamilton, I'm like, okay, there's, there's just, okay, just, just, just tamp it down a little. Um, Okay. All right. Fine. I hear you. I have heard very good things about his basketball IQ, about his understanding of, you know, sort of the court and spacing and, um, it it makes me hope that the coaching staff has a an offense where he could sort of operate as the hub of the wheel, where um, you know he gets into the high post or something, and he can make things happen for himself or others. And if he can, then great. Um, if he can't, well, we got other options, such as such Will. as the next guy coming up to us from UMass, the A10 Player of the Year, Trey Mitchell. Sounds like the staff is pretty excited about what Trey Mitchell's going to bring to the table. Sounds like he's the likely starter here. What are we going to be seeing on the court from Mr. Mitchell? Yes. Tim? Well, if if what I've heard is accurate, if I had to choose who will be the MVP of the team next year as of today, I think it will be Mitchell, which is interesting because he as far as the incoming recruits or the incoming transfers, he comes in from the lowest level, but the staff absolutely adores him. They think that he can score off of both shoulders um, in the low post. They know that he can shoot. They know that he can convert from the free throw line. They know that he's smart with the basketball. They know he's a good rebounder. They know he's someone that is capable of impacting a game on a number of levels. He's someone that I think... If, if he can prove to be a defensive player in a system like this where switching and playing to open spaces and under kind of uh, uh, understanding what what you need to do at this level of basketball against you know against high level d1 you know top tier d1 opponents means the sky's kind of the limit because he's just so skilled around the basket to go with a guy that can shoot like he can, to go with a guy that can pass like he can. Again, just another really smart player. And and it feels weird because you think about a guy like Marcus Carr, 
or Timmy Allen or Andrew Jones or even Courtney Ramey and just say, wow, what a, what a great player and, and like we're so lucky to have them back. And then to say, well, but Trey Mitchell, the staff thinks he's the best. That's kind of saying something. So um, I'm, I'm really interested to see how he impacts both ends of the floor, yeah, but, but certainly he, he gives you a lot of options offensively. And when you have someone that you can just say, hey, we, we can spread the floor for you. Spreading the floor for you is no issue. You go there, we'll, we'll give you the ball, create a, a high-quality shot. And um, he, he looks like that kind of guy. Yeah, I guess my my concern not not so much about him as as it is um, I have yet to see Chris Beard effectively use a stretch big, and so um, if he's going to continue to try and shoot from three, they're going to have to figure out how to utilize him that way. And maybe they will. You know, this is, again, this is one of those TBD things we have to we have to see to, to figure out if they're going to do it. But um, that's why a guy like you know. Uh, a sort of Will Baker type, you know, one of those sort of stretch four, stretch five guys. Um, I, I don't know if I'm going to s- see them being super successful in in Beard's theoretical offense at Texas. So ma- maybe they figure Williams. it out. Give some Cameron, Cameron Ridley on the floor here. I want to see uh, Dexter Pittman back in a Texas uniform. Uh, can't can't miss him really. <laughs> Next guy we got is the last guy. The latest guy to commit to Texas, the point guard, Marcus Carr. And if you haven't watched his highlights from his time at Minnesota, they are quite impressive. Tim, what do you think about the new point guard, Marcus Carr, who was the top transfer, top rated transfer in the portal? Well, when people talk about what he's capable of, um, you know, you, you actually look more at his sophomore season than, than his last season at, at Minnesota. Um, his sophomore year, he averaged 15 points a game and almost seven assists per game. And that, hopefully, is more what we're looking at. Minnesota uh, was not great last year by really any any metrics. He was someone that obviously kind of had to... I don't want to say... You, you hate to just factor in hero ball because I, I just don't like that... that semblance just sort of in general but he 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 buried a he he had a huge burden on his shoulders last year for minnesota because obviously he had a hero's with, burden yeah patino was was feeling it and he knew what had to happen and it was kind of car i don't want to say or nothing but it certainly was car or not a whole lot so he took a lot of shots that you know he hopefully won't have to take with guys like he's going to play with here at texas and he's someone that if we can put him in a situation where he can play 25 or 28 minutes a game and he can play with a lot of energy and he can pass people open and he can take high quality shots, then he's just, he's very good. I guess I would say he's probably uh, Courtney Ramey, but just a notch better in just about everything with the exception of maybe spot shooting. So Courtney, I think, is a better catch-and-shoot player, which which Courtney's had the, the, the luxury of being because he's had Coleman and Andrew Jones playing with him most of the time, or Coleman and, and Kerwin playing with him. Um, it, can, can Carr put together those type of numbers? I, I don't think Carr has had someone like Coleman and Jones or like Coleman and Kerwin playing with him at Minnesota. So so I, I'm, I'm hopeful that, that Carr is capable of that, but... 
you just you see him as someone that can finish at the rim, who converts at the free throw line at a pretty high rate, who who's actually a very good passer, not just like Coleman where I, you know I, one of the things about Matt that I that I thought was going to be better than it ended up being I suppose is I knew that he could make the smart pass. I also thought that he could make the incisive pass that that passed people open or that put people at the rim at a higher level than he did. It just never kind of came to fruition. I think that Marcus can be that guy. Whether that comes out or not, we'll see. But but Matt never averaged close to seven assists per game. Like it like that's that's almost two assists better than he ever averaged. So you know, Carr has kind of proven it in a tough league, and um, you know, it, it, uh, back to the caveat of can Chris Beard figure this out with this many high level guys when he has to like fig you know, and this is probably for another podcast altogether, but. Can can we play fast enough? Can we create enough shots that everyone's going to stay happy? I, I don't know. But if he can, um, when you think about a guard rotation where our top three guards are Marcus Carr, Courtney Ramey, Andrew Jones, that's really damn good. Particularly when we're saying fourth year Marcus Carr, fourth year Courtney Ramey, 11th year Andrew Jones. Um, it's, uh, there, there, there's, there's a lot to be excited about. Last guy. The freshman, Jalen Tyson. I think he's one of the top 20 rated recruits Texas has ever had. What do we have? What are we thinking about the small forward, Jalen Tyson, stealing him from, stealing another thing from Texas Tech fans? I, I think it will be a miracle if he plays more than eight minutes a game this year. Like, I, it's, and it's not a knock on him so much as, Beard has gone out and recruited, you know, a, a million fucking players at this point, uh, most of whom are more experienced than the freshman. So he's going to have to really show out to get a lot of minutes this year. Um, and I, I, as, as a side note, I kind of wonder if, if Beard and his staff continue to hit the transfer portal this hard for this high level of a transfer, how many times are they going to keep a, a high-rated freshman around more than a year? Because it, you know, a guy who's going to be a top twenty, top fifty type recruit is probably going to expect to play a fair amount most most year, you know, most of the time, and, and sort of in a vacuum. And if Beard is continually recruiting, you know, six to eight guys who are high level players from other conferences or you know from other teams is he going to keep those guys around like that's that's part of the churn i'm concerned about like I, and it, and it may be something that beard is just frankly used to given that he has hit the transfer portal hard for years and he's fine with that sort of turnover and can make that sort of turnover work um, but I, I do sort of wonder how that's going to factor into recruiting a guy like Tyson or Keontae George or you know, like keep not not just getting them on campus, but keeping them more than a year. I'm not sure. I would say year. I guess I would say year and a half. I think uh, figuring out how. So the okay back to Jalen. The staff loves his passing ability. The staff loves his court vision. He is all of six foot seven. So that's that's big, right? To have a guy that's actually that size that can pass and move like that. Um, he's also arguably their best shooter right now, even above Jace, even above Andrew. So they, they like him, and he's been doing well enough inside the offseason workouts as a shooter that he may well be the best shooter on the team. 
as Johnny says, I don't think he's going to play a lot. So now I don't think that will matter a ton this year. But if he goes into next year and sees, hey, I'm not going to play and knows he's got a free transfer, okay, then that guy's probably going to leave. So uh, that that will be a question. And I do think for a lot of teams with, with the one-time free transfer, when you bring in a recruit somewhere between 15 and 50 in the country, how capable you are of keeping them here midway through their sophomore year if they know they can go wherever they want will be a big question mark because if you lose guys in april or may i mean fine right i mean there's the portal figure this shit out if you lose someone in october or december that's a lot tougher it's it's a lot tougher to figure that out in the moment and try to find the right guy so i'm, I'm not sure um as far as jalen's concerned i think he'll be around for a while i think he's a guy that could be um impactful in a way even above what jace could do because jace for all the great things he's capable of as a shooter has never been a ball mover or someone that can really create for others as a passer that you'd like to see from someone that can that can force a defense to close out on him like jace certainly can um where we go from there we'll see obviously as as johnny alluded to there are some really good recruits on their way and how Jalen fits in with them or how we understand how our roster decisions are going to play out based on that kind of level of recruit, who knows. But Jalen, for right now, is someone the staff's excited about, and they feel not only good about him as a passer, but also, or sorry, not only good about him as a shooter, but also his court vision and passing, which is someone at his height um, makes a difference. I I have a a hunch that in the next, handful of years as the transfer portal becomes sort of codified as it is with the one-time transfer rule that um, you're going to see a fair amount of these relatively high level freshmen end up at mid-majors more and more often because teams like Texas or Kentucky or Baylor or Kansas are going to go poach high-level players off of mid-major and high-major teams, and that will be a bigger and bigger chunk of their recruiting base than actually going and getting high school recruits. And so I feel like short of the top 10 players in high school um, who are going to start right away wherever they go, you're going to see guys like I, maybe a maybe a Tyson type. I, it, uh, nothing against him, but just to use him as an example, you'll see him show up at a a Mac school for the first year or two, and then end up at Texas or Kentucky or whatever as a sophomore or junior. I, I feel like that's that's the way things are going, barring some major change. I think he's. I think you're right, Johnny. But I would drop the number you're talking about. So I would say probably closer to like. 40 and below sure i'm not yeah. sure that you're gonna say like a top 12 guy yeah <laughs> yeah no like I, there, there's yeah, you I, know I, that I, I get you if you get like so if you take the top say five guys or so in any class and say they're still going to go to g league ignite for example uh then you're talking about five through 20 or so are probably still going to start wherever they go um for the most part in in high major basketball and then below 20 or so i think that's where you're really going to see this this bear out that, that's my guess at this point. Y'all have just gone over how good this roster has been put together. Two questions off of that. What is the ceiling for this Texas team now? And is Texas too deep? Now, is this too much talent? Is this too many guys expecting too much time? 
all on the same team? That's got to be two questions. First it is. Of all. That it's has two to be questions. two questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it's two questions. That's nice. That's it. Go for it, Johnny. Two questions. <laughs> okay, so the 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 first answer is um, the ceiling is. I mean, just based off of talent, the ceiling is potential final weekend team. Like if just highest of high marks like this before Marcus Carr, I still probably had Texas as, you know, maybe a half a step behind Kansas and a half step behind Baylor in the Big 12 with Marcus Carr. They're right up there with them. So they should be contending for the Big 12 title. And if they're contending for the Big 12 title, you're talking about a protected seed, you know, top four type seed. Um, depending on how things go. Um, they're probably going to be ranked in the top 10 or top five of most polls in preseason. Um, and, you know, understandably so. So um, if they figure everything out, if their defense clicks like the way it possibly could, if they have an offense that highlights their their players in the way that they, poss- they potentially could, then, yeah, they, they're a possible final weekend team. Um I'm still going to call it TBD just because we still don't know exactly what offense or defense this this team's going to run. I, I expect they will probably run some version of the no middle defense uh, because that is Beard with or without Adams is was going to probably do that anyway. The offense I'm guessing is going to be some sort of motion ish offense, but we have to see because you know as much as these these coaches these assistants he's brought in are recruiting rainmakers there's not many of them that you're like oh they're a tactician known for x or y or z so it's a, it's a little up in the air uh, but like tim said he and i were having a discussion where it's like if you got this many guys who can get their own shot i don't know how much fucking matters so um yeah so that's that's sort of my my view of their their potential title it's a national title team will they get there can they do it? Uh, How's it compared to Baylor's team from last year? Not as defensively tough. Not as arguably awesome on the backcourt or in the backcourt. But I'm not sure you would probably say there's been a lot of teams that you wouldn't take Texas against from a 9 or 10 deep standpoint. Except for a lot of tile teams will go 10 deep. So is the top eight of Texas next year that incredible? We'll, we'll see how good Carr and Mitchell are. If Carr and Mitchell are as good as I think they can be, then, yeah, this is a title team, or at least a team that should compete. I, I, so I guess I would say if you put up this roster against Texas Tech's title game roster where they lost to Virginia in overtime, I would take this Texas team like person by person over that Texas Tech team. Now, the difference was those Texas Tech players were all two-way players, all of them. So you talk about Mooney, Moretti, Culver, Owens, all of those guys were two-way players that were both terrific offensively, but either somewhere between sneaky good and super good defensively. Owens was maybe the best interior defender in the country that year. Mooney was maybe the best perimeter defender in the country, uh, and and like I said, Culver was Ken Palm's player of the year. So to have those kind of guys on a roster at the same time is crazy. Will we have that same kind of uh, ability level on both sides of the floor? Uh, unlikely. But if, uh, if Carr and Mitchell are as good as I think they can be, and we get the type of production from guys like Allen and Jones and Ramey, 
and 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 Disu. Like if we can if we can get that kind of stuff, this is this is definitely a team that you would say, "Wow, we are just absolutely stacked," um, and 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 a roster that can hurt you in a number of ways, that can bring in guys off the bench and still be very productive, that can hurt you defensively uh, in the paint and around the perimeter and force you into tough shots and provide for, you know, produce for each other and pass each other open. Like, it's, it's, there's just a lot of things they can do. So the ceiling is is unquestionably for me the, the, the title game or a Final Four. Could they flame out in the second round? Sure. But that's true about a lot of teams. But this is a, it's a terrific roster. Again, so then the question of, is this team too deep? Do you think that having all these guys come in expecting all these minutes is a potential problem? Or do you have some faith that this is going to work out? Well, I, I would say that it will work itself out one way or the other. Because... Um, any team that is legitimately nine or 10 deep is going to have one or two guys who probably think they should play more minutes. Um, the question becomes, uh, did Beard and his staff promise four guys too many minutes in the, to get them on campus? I don't know if they did or not, but they may or may not. We, you know, I've, I've heard they've, you know, I mean, they're, they're all salesmen. And just like any any time you deal with salesmen in any realm of the world, you got to understand, like you got to got to have a sense of yourself and what you are are aren't okay with. Uh, as much as your responsibility as a salesman is to understand that, right? So, like, I think um, what, what is interesting to me is is if this was a bunch of guys that were recruited out of high school, like the difference between this team and say Shaka's last year, for example, is that. Almost everybody on Shaka's last year were guys that he recruited out of high school so they could transfer wherever without some sort of penalty. Most of the guys on this roster for Beard use their one-time transfer to get here. So it is somewhat more difficult for them to decide to leave because they can't just get a free ride, free move somewhere else like you know, Liddell could, or, you know, some other people, they, they could go get a waiver pretty easily. The waivers I suspect are going to be somewhat more difficult to get theoretically. Um, if for people who've already used their one-time transfer. So there might be guys who are willing to stick around with reduced minutes for, for this Texas team that wouldn't have, if they had that free transfer. So, um, I, I don't think there's any such thing as too deep. I think there is, Super deep. Uh, there are super deep teams where the coaching staffs are good or bad at merging them all together, and we will find out if uh, Beard and his staff are able to keep this many high-level dudes happy. Because I, Beard has not had to do this before. Uh, Jarence Howard has had to do it at Kansas, so he can probably help in that regard. Um, Rodney Terry has some experience from some of the Texas teams back in the day. So um, Beard has resources he can draw upon to, to kind of help, you know, keep keep egos in line, keep everybody bought in. So um, it's possible that, that these guys all end up happy together. Maybe, you know, maybe one dude decides, yeah, screw it, I'm going to leave. But that's sort of normal attrition these days in college basketball. So I, I guess we'll see, I guess, is kind of where I'm at. I, there's nowhere else to be. I guess if I had to put it in the most succinct way possible, if I could guess what the biggest downfall would be, it would be that. 
So if there's something else that could like pop its head up, maybe the the staff stuff, I suppose. But but if I had to put in my rankings of well, this could go wrong, that's the biggest one because his top year as far as his as far as offensive tempo was the year after the national title game year where I want to say Tech was like 260 as far as their tempo. And uh, that's something around like 70-ish possessions per game. So that would probably, if you figure in, you, you factor in turnovers, that's probably something around like 58 shots per game. And, you know, so let's, let's say that Texas, or that we get to 65 shots per game, which would be pretty high, like, or even 70. 70 shots per game with this roster that's not a lot when you figure out, okay, well, a couple of guys are going to get 14. <laughs> All right. So if there's, if there's 28 or 30, how do you figure out the rest of, you know, the next 40 for the other nine guys or eight guys? How does that, how does that make itself work? So can you, know, yeah, you can say, well, no one's going to play more than 25 minutes or 28 minutes. Fine. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about shots. What happens if Courtney Ramey is averaging six shots a game in, in, in January? Is he going to be bought in? What happens if Christian Bishop goes from 11 points per game at, at Creighton to four points a game at Texas, which is, I mean, not even possible, like like maybe kind of likely or at least super plausible. Um, how do we figure that out? And and so it, it, that's, that's, that's a brand new ball game from what Beard has done. And if you factor in that point of just like, He's a guy who demands excellence, who wants things how he wants them, who wants his teams to to run and function and just be a certain way in the classroom, around campus, with their peers, with their professors, inside of their program. Can he figure that shit out as far as what if someone's unhappy? What if someone doesn't like this? What do we do next? So if I had to rank my my biggest uh-oh things that could be out there, that's that's my top for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch what goes down with all of these expectations around this team from, yeah, they're, they could be a title-contending team to all the expectations of the players being, yeah, I should be getting 20 minutes a game at least. The 30-10-5 that we would do usually before every season. That's going to be an interesting one for us this year, seeing all the talent that Texas and Chris Beard has amassed through the transfer portal. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But I think for now, that's going to do it. Thank y'all for pretending we were football for the past hour and a half. Wow, look at that. I've been your host, Will Bazier. You guys can find me on Twitter at W-I-L-L-B-A-I-Z-E-R. Mr. Johnny Brashear, where can we find you? Uh, on Twitter, at Bitter White Guy, also on Substack, Bitter White Guy, uh, where I say very cynical things about the possibility of NCAA. And Tim, where are you hiding? <laughs> well, I mean, okay. Uh, InsideTexas.com, we have an incredible basketball staff come hang out with us. We'd love to see you there. Uh, and on Twitter, Inside Texas Hoop, no S. Uh, I'm incredible at retweeting Inside Texas material. So that's simply the best. You're pretty good at it. You're pretty good at it. I am marginally average. You're yep. not as good as Johnny is retweeting his own stuff from the the, the podcast Twitter. 
which is at fuck. Pretend we're FB. Pretend we're FB. I can't remember which one was the. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm so much better at it because I remember where it is. Yeah, that that might be it. That might be it. But y'all, yeah, go ahead and follow Pretend We're FB, the Twitter that we use quite frequently. It is very good. And also, go ahead and subscribe and give them some ratings to this channel that you're listening to right now, wherever you are. We really do appreciate it. Any guy, anybody got some something we want to end off on or some fun stuff? Tim? You sh- Fear the deer. Fear the deer? PJ Tucker. Fear the deer. PJ Tucker is a champion. He dribbled out for the championship. How do we feel about that? I mean, I'm, I'm too terrified of him to say anything other than a positive thing because I'm pretty sure uh, of the former Texas basketball, former and current Texas basketball players, there are zero I am more afraid of whipping my ass than P.J. Tucker. Jason Klotz? <laughs> oh, too, too soon? Yeah, too soon. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. PJ Tucker is like Texas Charles Oakley. Like, you just don't mess with him. Don't mess with don't mess with him. If he says something, just agree with it. He's 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 very mean man. Who's the next Texas basketball alum who's gonna win the championship for the first time? Probably probably well, I was about to say KD next year, but I don't know. Maybe what, Dexter what Pittman's it? still on, on, like, maybe he's over on the Suns now. Just What were you saying? What was the last part, Will? I mean, because why wouldn't KD a win it championship for the and... first time. Oh, for the first time. Oh, boy. Not Bamba. Not Turner. Well, let's see where Kai Jones ends up. Yeah, there we go. Kai Jones or Jericho Sims or, you know, whatever G League team Greg Brown's on. Maybe the year. Pelicans do something. <laughs> let me let me go through the list of Texas Longhorns in the NBA right now. I've, is this what we're fading out on? Yeah, we have Jared Allen. Mumbling. We have Jared yeah. Allen right Allen's now with, on the Cavaliers. On the Cavs, Isaiah Taylor. No. Oh, no longer on the Hawks. No, no, he's not with the Hawks. No. Uh, Corey okay, Joseph so on the Bamba Pistons with Orlando. Huh? Corey Joseph on the Pistons. Tristan Thompson right, on, the on the Celtics. The no. Mm-hmm. Avery Bradley on the Rockets. Who's going to sign for the veteran min- minimum on the Lakers? Like, that's what we're looking for here. LaMarcus yeah. Aldridge on the Nets. He's retired, my guy. Yeah, Fuck. he is retired. He retired. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's see. So, okay. So does Jericho go to, like, does yeah. Jericho go to the Lakers or some shit? Yeah, that'd be, that would be pretty great, actually. <laughs> Jer- he could be a badass on the Lakers or the Clippers just, or something. Just, just put Jericho like like get hit the the Golden State Warriors trade James Wiseman and their seven <laughs> for the number one pick and they get Kay Cunningham and then the second round late they pick Jericho and just he he gets to do a bunch of putbacks and shoot two threes a game while Steph Curry's doing stuff that and Clay is back. Yeah, go for that. Did yeah. y'all Jericho see on Jimmy on Kimmel? Warriors. Did y'all see the Jimmy Kimmel where Miles Texas Turner versus yeah, Miles uh, Turner and Mo Bamba yeah. were answering trivia questions against Gonzaga players? Uh-huh. It's great. And for anybody who hasn't watched that, it's pretty great. But anyways, yeah, sorry. That's the end of the show. Goodbye. Hook 'em. <laughs>